Today, we continue our conversation with photojournalist and documentary producer Spike Johnson. This is the second installation of the three-part series on how to become a well-rounded freelance photographer. In this episode, Spike breaks down how photographers can find media contacts, how to write and formulate a winning pitch to editors, and finally, how to sell your work. So I think it'd be great to segue into pitching work and selling work. I think you mentioned that. Um, So I think that'd be great to really touch on. So when you, I guess we can talk about personal works and professional, professionally assigned works. Um, With regards to personal works, when you have a story that you are working on, and please definitely uh, feel free to share, you know, one you've worked on in the past. Um, When you have a story that you're telling, what is the process of getting that story out? Um, What's the journey that this story goes on? You know, it's a story that you were curious about. You did some research. um, You start photographing it. Walk me through the natural progression of how this story further develops into um, a fully realized story, you know, um, pitching it, selling it, all the things that come with it. Okay. Um, As a precursor to that answer, there's three methods that, that I employ to make money, I suppose, as a journalist. One is um, now that I have some sort of reputation, people, oh, no, now that I have reputation and contacts that I'm friends with, they will come to me and offer me an assignment, which is nice. That happens later down the road. So, so we're not talking about that right now, I suppose. Second, I will have an idea for a story and I'll write a one pay one email pitch just explaining what it is why it's important why the audience should care and i'll email that off to 50 of the contacts that i'm now friends with that i think might be interested and then maybe one will say yeah that's real good go make that we'll pay you mm. x amount that that happens now. It didn't happen to begin with. So that's not the way into this world either. That's not because you need to, you need to have those relationships first and have the, have the trust. The way in is like you were asking with the, with that personal project, the way in is to spend, you know, ho- however much time you need, develop a, uh, a nice package, a nice story, 20 images, some text, mm. package it up. And then start emailing it off. Really, cold emailing. I mean, okay. cold emailing. Yeah, first. So, um, how do you do that? You maybe. Well, so actually, when I got started, one of my friends gave me ten contacts, email contacts. A guy called Brandon Thibodeau. He's good. You should check his work out too. We'll do. Huh? We'll do. Uh, Brandon. Are you- Oh, yeah, I'm writing notes. (laughs) Oh, he's great. Um, Yeah, so my my friend Brandon gave me 10 contacts. And then I 
I, uh, you know, I had this package of work. I had a, this, I had one story and the story coincidentally was on, um, uh, Texas based civilian militia. And I, I, uh, I spent a year going backwards and forwards, hanging out with them every weekend. I'd go and visit and they'd let me photograph as long as I kind of participated. Um, and I told a story about, you know, their, their sensitivities around, um, around their need for um, aggressive defense, you know? So one guy had been divorced alone and one, one lady was battling cancer and one dude, you know, had a, had a real rough childhood. So it informed his need for, for, for outward aggression in his later life, I guess. It was a nice story. Um, so I had this package story, Brandon gave me some contacts. I started emailing it off. And that's just how you do it, man. Um, and now I still do the same thing. Hence, hence my research for cold email marketing software right, today. Right. Um, yeah. What do these um, emails typically look and sound like? I just attended a, a virtual talk with uh, Paul Mokley, who is uh, the Times. I don't remember his actual title, but he's the photo editor at, at large at Time Magazine. And he gave really precious um, advice and tips for early photographers. And one of the things he said was, don't send too many photos along with your email pitch. Um, and don't write too much. Just keep it down to a few sentences. Um, really learn how to edit not only your photos, but your pitch. Um, be as concise as possible because that is the best way to get my attention as a, 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 you know, an editor who gets emailed every single hour of every single day. So um, what does your um, cold email look like? Is there like a, you know, a quick like reference as a, a template for like what folks could like copy? Yeah. I mean, it's very simple. It's real simple. It's just, I, on my, I make sure my website is solid. Make sure it looks clean. It's easy to navigate. Then I make a gallery on that website of what I want the editor to look at. 20 photos is enough. No more than 20 photos. And they've got to be, when I'm doing it, when I'm doing it, I do a, uh, landscape photo, portrait photo, detail photo, basically landscape, portrait, detail, landscape, portrait, detail. Um, that's my kind of sequencing. So it kind of keeps it interesting for them. And then also on that web page, so they've got 20 easy to look at images, I put a little bit of text. What are they looking at? You know, what is the story? You've got to write a little nut graph there. You've got to write, you've got to write your who, what, when, where, why, and then so your inverted pyramid, and then you've got to write why contextual information. So why the audience should care about this. Why Maybe the particular um, audience of this person that you're contacting should care about it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why should the viewer pay attention to this? You know, maybe it's something they don't know yet. Maybe you're, hopefully it's, hopefully it's a new angle on, on a, on an existing topic or a new angle on, um, on a new topic, but you've got to tell them why it's interesting. 
you, you can't leave that even you can't leave that to the editor because a lot of often the editors won't understand the the topic that you're sending mm. um it's quite it because you know that they're, they're they're busy people they're in their offices they're not necessarily out in the world where you are they'd probably definitely or maybe they're not even in the same country right so there you go you've got your little web page you get 20 photos you've got your little text uh, one paragraph man no no more than that mm. and then i'm and then i'm just super friendly and nice i write dear whoever it is um how are you hope you're well i'm spike i am a photographer um focusing my work on houston or texas or whatever uh and then say i i've just made this um body of work i wondered if you'd be interested in looking at it but you know so all of that stuff is automatic. I mean, everybody's going to write the same stuff. If you if you're writing an okay pitch, all of the all of the all of your preamble around your package yeah. is is just going to be boilerplate, right? Right. So what you're really dealing with is supply and demand. So if you have something that they want, they'll read your pitch. If you don't have something they want. They probably won't. Yeah. And the only way to the only the only way, except for having that thing that they want, or the, the only way that's going to help you show them that thing that they want is is then just coming up with a nice subject line. Yes. So I write, I write, and you 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 have yeah, that has to be short. So I write pitch, colon, and whatever the pitch is. Yeah. That's great. Um, how long do you, would you say that um, one kind of sits with sending that pitch and then not hearing back? Do you follow up? Do you not follow up? Follow up. Okay. Yeah. One week, two weeks. Don't probably between one and two weeks. If it's, if you follow up before one week, sometimes you'll get responses that are a little bit aggravated saying, Hey, give me some time. I'm busy here. Yes. If it's after two weeks, then they have lost. I don't know. It just, you know, that's too long. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, but always follow up, always follow up. Don't, if, if somebody doesn't get back to you, always follow up because um, often they just for, forgot to, or didn't have the time or it got buried. And yeah. Yeah. And well, and one of the things that I, I didn't know, um, up until I think, you know, maybe a, a few months ago or maybe a year ago, um, again, I'm very new to the photography industry. It's been like a, a self-education um, uh, up until now. But this idea, like you said, it's supply and demand. Um, photo editors are always looking for new stories, new ideas. And sometimes where does that idea come from? Photographers who are making new work. Um, so if you're not willing to pitch the stuff that you're, you know, kind of making, then you're not necessarily giving that story a chance to have a, an opportunity to kind of like um, see another life after it's been made. Um, you're not giving that story an opportunity to, you know, um, reach a lot of people um and have the ability to kind of like make an impact um so in any case i think you know if you're making work and you know that this work you've put a lot of time and effort into into it 
um, that by all means, you should be reaching out to photo editors and seeing who would be willing to, to collaborate with you to either publish this work or, you know, um, fund you to continue to make this, this um, necessary work. So I didn't know that Absolutely. relationship existed, that these people de depend on you and as much as you depend on them. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's that's a ginormous point to remember that I think the the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts the ratio of freelancers to staff journalists now at 30-70. So 70% freelancers. I think it's more now. You know, so and it's not that it's not a us versus them. It's a it's the it's a collaboration. You know, we all work together. Um, the uh, the outlets are interested in hearing the stories that you have. Um, you shouldn't be scared of sending your stuff in and contacting. You'll make friends. Yeah. You know? And and also you should try not to be scared of rejection as well because. 99% of the people you reach out to um, won't, won't want to publish, you know, but, but also if it's, if it's interesting to you, if, if the topic that you're making is interesting to you, odds on there's going to be other people that are interested in it. Yes. It's just finding the right home for it. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and also that's where, you know, trying to, trying to think, maybe a little bit laterally in the publications that you're researching as well. So, you know, you can reach out to time magazine and New York times and all of them, but there's, there's others as well who might have a more specific focus mm. that might fit your topic. Yes. And also who aren't necessarily bombarded quite so hard with um, their own work. Great point. Yeah. Very great point. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's necessary to, uh, especially when you're starting out, I think it's necessary to just like hit as many of those like niche publications as possible that might not have like the, the wide, you know, audience base, but I think will truly serve the story that you're trying to, to bring attention to. Yeah. Um, and it's also being, um, very, um, particular in your in the way you offer the the project or product mm. that you have in terms of the way you frame it to the particular editor so this isn't this isn't it, it is actually hang on I'll contradict myself it is a numbers game in terms of you need to send that project out to as many people as possible to increase your odds of somebody saying yes but at the same time you have to be really careful in that you're not um, duplicating a message that's too general. So, for example, um, your project about gentrification, um, it's a, that, so, for example, that would fit the frame of a social, a, an editor that's interested in social stories, but it would also fit the frame of an, uh, of an editor who... Um, is interested in um, business stories. Hmm. And it would also fit the frame of a narrative around um, construction stories. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, so you got, and, and 
um, a New York Times editor is not just a New York Times editor. One editor specializes in technology. Another editor specializes in um, business. Another editor specializes in fashion. So what you've got to do is when you research these future colleagues, perhaps, you have to be really careful that you take time to research their particular interest. If your work doesn't fit their interest, don't send them stuff because it will piss them off. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you can perhaps reframe your project to fit their particular um, specialty, then then you have to write another email. It, um, it's time consuming. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like uh, the process of applying for jobs at any other yeah. company, like you're having to tweak your CV with every different pitch that you make. So I, I think, you know, the work matches what you're trying to, you know, the work you're having to put in matches the work that you're trying to get. Yeah, right. um, yeah it is. It's, you're, you're right. It's like applying for jobs again and again and again. <laughs> right, right. It gets easier. What's that? It gets easier. Right, right. One would hope so, but... <laughs> With enough um, effort, I think it does. Um, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to to kind of chipping away at that myself. Um, yeah. So when it comes to selling work, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, actually selling uh, your work. I'm not sure if there's a nuance there that I'm not catching. Maybe you can speak a little bit uh, about that. Oh, so... Um uh, money? Yes, when, money when it comes time? to like actually um, you have a project that you um, I guess maybe successfully pitched and uh, how does that the the project kind of like take on a life of its own? How do you sell it? Um, how do those um, relationships work when you've now managed to um, have a, a hook into like working with a publication or an editor? Yeah, sure. Hey, wait, let me go back because I've missed one piece of information. Oh, please, yeah, do. And that's how to find the contacts. Yes. <laughs> so you can um, manual search LinkedIn if you want. And then I use a piece of software called Rocket Reach, I think, hmm. which will scrape email addresses out the back of LinkedIn. Really? Yeah, it's quite good. Are you, you going to be that. hated for sharing this information with people? <laughs> no, it's 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 uh it's illegal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, anyway, if you don't use Rocket Reach, there's plenty of others. There's plenty of others. Yeah. So you can find email addresses in LinkedIn. You can Google people. You can do it manually like that, or you can. And I'll let you do your own research here. You can buy lists of. Um, media of editors or producers um so there's databases available um where you can just download a whole list of, of ten thousand names if you want to wow uh-huh um it's not an efficient way to do it because it's too many names and then you have to research each name yeah the, and the, i feel like those positions often change um yeah there's a, a huge um rate of uh what's the word i'm looking for um, turnover turnover exactly so i think that might not be efficient i think you might end up emailing old emails 
And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's it, it, it's worth doing that actual work of um, either using the software you, you mentioned or just going on LinkedIn and just like scouring the internet for all these uh, contacts. That's how you do it. Yeah. Manu- yeah, manually and organically is much nicer. Yes. The other way to do it, and this is something that maybe you, you can think about in the future is um, going to photography festivals and they have um, editors also go and do portfolio reviews, which is a nice way to meet people. Yes. Um, so what were, we, what were we talking about? Oh, money changing hands. Yes. Um, that's the easy bit. Hmm. Uh, somebody, you find somebody that wants the work and then you begin to negotiate about how they're going to use the work, how much of the work they're going to use. Um, in which formats and then that dictates how much is acceptable to charge. Right. Yeah. This is, is definitely muddy waters now <laughs> we're, we're going from very precise, you know, things to do, you know, uh, following a template of emails to send. And then we get into the money business and now it's like, all right, um, you have to know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Don't. So number one, I guess is don't ever give work away for free because it's bad for, um, the person that you give that work away for free to will always want your work for free. Mm. That contact then is lost. The other thing is it hurts me and everybody else because that contact then has learned that work is free work is too cheap anyway at the moment so never give anything away for free the more the more content you have the more valuable it's going to be i mean i the, the the problem is the problem the problem with this the problem with this point is that every outlet has a different um budget right so for example um New York Times has a terrible budget, or they try to pay people very little. Mm. Uh, Business Week pays quadruple. So, so what you have, what you're entering into here is a is a is a small negotiation back and forth. Um, really, the way that I do it is I is I okay. So at the moment, we're talking about. Oh dear, this is tough. This is it's a tough, tough question. Yeah. So let's just focus on that personal project that you spent a year on. Right. So that personal project that you spent a year on, you want to make a lot of money on it because it's cost you a lot of time and effort. So, um, but when you go to pitch that work to the outlets, their budget will not match up to what you're looking for. Right. I don't think it's that they don't want to pay you that much. I honestly think right now that there just there just isn't money available. So what you have to try and do is you have to try to negotiate, and you should always negotiate this unless it's an assignment, a non-exclusive contract. Mm. So what that means is you can sell it once to to X outlet, and then you can sell the thing again to somebody else, and then you can sell it in Spanish language. And you can sell it in Italian. So you want to try and get paid three or four times for a project. And then maybe you're doing okay. Yeah. And then 
perhaps you put it in for a competition and you get a win on a competition and then that's a bit more perhaps along the way you apply for a grant mm. and you get an extra 10 grand that way yeah yeah because i imagine you know for an early photographer um or for someone who's just like stepping into that world um, of making a body of work, let's say over the span of a year or six months or whatever it is, and then pitching that work and then that work being getting picked up by, let's say, a New York Times or Time magazine, right? Um, the early photographer would sort of imagine like being platformed is the payment, right? Like having that access to that platform, having your work shown inside of this, like, you know, um, prestigious magazine, like that is the the payment. That alone is the reward. Um, yeah. But that's not the case at all. Well, I, know, I guess it is. For the, the beginner. Be yeah, but it cannot be forever. Yes. The other problem with that is that once you have, once a piece has been, published whether for free or for money it's a little less valuable because mm. it's already been seen it's already it's not new anymore mm. so if you give it away if you give a piece away for free you know and then and then you try and sell it afterwards it's harder right um but yeah i mean you know like that that piece i made with the gypsies to begin with it you know, I think when we spoke earlier, I uh, I said I got ripped off on it and I got paid way less than now I realize is acceptable. Wow. But it was it was it was Vice magazine and I'd read Vice magazine, the print version as a kid. And uh, and I I was so excited, so excited to get it in the magazine. That I, I just took any anything they were off, yeah. off of me for it. So I, I understand that perspective, yeah. It's difficult. Right. Um, so with uh, the with selling work that you're making comes the, the knowledge or has to come the knowledge of um, understanding, uh, pricing, negotiating, and contracts. I, I think all those things are necessary for you to actually know what you're doing with um the trajectory of your work yeah so i think i'd love to talk about that in the next segment <laughs> oh, okay, because yeah. um i think that perhaps is probably the most difficult thing um because it's not so clear-cut it's not um something that a lot of people speak very transparently about um and it's something that i think would really help um to just have like a, a sort of like guide or um, a sort of template to kind of like just follow. Um, so yeah, I, I think we can we can chat about that in the in the next one. Sure. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, that's the second episode. We are talking pricing and contracts in the final installation of this mini series. I hope you'll tune in next week. We'll see you then.